0: Um, So I want to talk a little bit more about this this morning, rest, God's concept of rest and I want to look at um, God's rhythms of um, grace and rest in that and maybe we can see who's more holy, Josh or I, who's got it right? Um, But first of all, I just want to share some history and I've been doing a lot of research into this this week And so I hope it all makes sense and if I'm wrong, I'm sure someone will correct me afterwards But hopefully um, you find some of this stuff helpful and enlightening So in the Bible, we have the Old Testament and the New Testament Dad spoke about this last time, Mark, um, Pastor Mark, who was also my dad Last time he spoke, he spoke about the word and the different sections of the Bible and what we draw our theology from and and whatnot. So, but basically we have the Old Testament, which is around the first half of the Bible, Genesis through to Malachi, and that covers creation and stories of God's people, the history, prophecies before Jesus came, and we view the Old Testament now as old covenant. It was law, it was all about making sacrifices to make ourselves holy so that we could connect with God because he's perfect and righteous and in our sinful state we couldn't connect with him but basically it was a lot of hard work. But then Jesus came and he actually fulfilled the law and that's when we have the New Testament beginning. We don't have to make sacrifices to atone for our sin, Jesus did that. Um, He fulfilled all the requirements of the the law and um, It says in Matthew he didn't actually abolish the law, he fulfilled the law. So it's not like there's no standards or commandments now, Jesus has done it all, we don't have anything to live by. God's standard is still righteousness, he's perfect, but we could never achieve that on our own. Jesus is now our righteousness, which I think is pretty cool. So this is what it says in Matthew 5, um, verse 17 to 19. but whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. So we actually still have standards and commandments to aspire to. It's not like, well, there's Old Testament's gone, we can do whatever we want. It actually sounds a little bit Old Testament, hey, but it's not. It's actually the New Testament. And you'll find a lot in the New Testament books of Philippians, Romans, Thessalonians, Titus, Acts, all those ones that Dad said we get our theology from. There's a lot of commandments on actually how to live God's best for us. There's actually 1,050 New Testament commands in the Bible. So much wisdom to live by. And then in Galatians 3, verse 24 to 26, it says, The law was our teacher. But once we have faith in Jesus, he's our teacher. So Jesus is now our teacher. Jesus has fulfilled the law. He is our righteousness. He is our salvation. He is our redemption. So then you might think, well, who needs that old stuff anymore? And Jesus has done it all. But... I love the Old Testament because I think it shows us how much we need Jesus. It shows us how much we've been saved from. It also gives a lot of history to the birth, death and resurrection of Jesus and all the prophecies that were spoken about in the Old Testament lead up to the events in the New Testament. And it kind of doesn't make sense without each other. They go together. So I think it's great um, to take it as a whole, the Bible. And um, there's so, I think it's really interesting, the Old Testament. There's some awesome stories in there. And it is a little bit hard to get our heads around, but my encouragement is just to start somewhere. As Dad said, maybe Google a scripture. If you're maybe thinking about fear or money or you're looking for wisdom in relationships, Google that and there'll be scriptures that come up that will relate to you. Someone actually asked me this week, do I have to read the Bible from start to finish? You don't have to. You can, but you can also just go to the Psalms and read a Psalm or go to Matthew and just read a chapter out of that. Do whatever works for you. It's not law. And I pray that it's life to you because I know sometimes... You can read the Bible and it's kind of like doesn't make any sense. Sometimes it still doesn't make sense or it just doesn't feel relevant. But then later I've found some of those things that I've read in a time of pressure, the verse will just pop into my head or my mind. So I think don't underestimate the power of reading, even though you might be thinking this is just is so boring or it's not doing anything. It really is going into your heart and what goes in will come out one day. So don't be discouraged. Keep getting into it. And I really love this, the Message Bible. Eugene Peterson, who wrote it, actually passed away recently, which is sad, but it's just beautiful language, down to earth, and I think that's another great um, version to read if you're looking for something maybe in a bit more everyday language. All right, so that was just a little background into um, the Bible, Old Testament. So we no longer live in the Old Testament. Jesus has fulfilled the law. We don't have to sacrifice animals when we stuff up the sacrifices of God are just a broken and a contrite heart a humble spirit a repentant heart if we do something wrong it's just hey God I stuffed up here I'm sorry will you forgive me I want to get back on track simple as that we don't have to sacrifice a cow or do weird rituals Jesus has done it all for us he was the sacrifice so all the things the law tried to achieve for us the law tried to make us perfect but Jesus has made us righteous does that make sense awesome so with all that in mind, I want to look at an Old Testament concept relating to rest. In Exodus, God gives Moses the Ten Commandments, Ten Laws for the People to Live By. Stuff like do not murder, do not steal, do not commit adultery. And I was thinking how interesting in our politically correct, over-precious society, overly precious society, or kind of everything's wrapped in cotton wool and there's lots of parenting strategy on redirection so if you see a kid hitting another kid with a chair you don't say no you say hey instead of hitting that kid on the head with a chair why don't you come over here and play with some play-doh and just relax like i'm not joking so it's what some preschools are teaching and what some parents teach and look i don't want to undermine that because some people have that's their view but personally my preference is that sometimes you need to say no That's not good for you, and you're actually in dangerous territory. And I love that um, God says it black and white. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. He's not like, hey, instead of doing that, maybe go and do this. He just says it as it is. And I think we need to take a leaf out of God's book. Sometimes God disciplines those he loves. And sometimes you need to say to someone, hey, you're in dangerous territory, or I wouldn't recommend doing that. We don't have to wrap everything in cotton wool. Let's sometimes say it as it is, maybe all the time, and um, not beat around the bush so God says, don't do these things. All right. So 10, nine out of ten of these commandments are actually repeated in the New Testament. So there's still, I guess, commands and standards that God gives us. Still not good to murder. Still not a great idea to commit adultery and steal. And most of them are repeated. Who knows the one commandment that's not repeated in the New Testament? Sabbath. Who's the Bible scholar back there? Was that Christine? Julie? Leanne? Um, anyway so the only commandment that's not repeated in the new testament is to keep the sabbath so i'm just going to read it because some of you are like what is she talking about what is what even are this the sabbath so when god gives the 10 commandments to moses this is the fourth commandment and he says remember the sabbath day by keeping it holy six days you shall labor and do all your work this is in exodus 20 by the way But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your own son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. So it's not even God saying you need to have a Sabbath, it's everyone around you also needs to have a Sabbath. For in the six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth. The sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So, their Sabbath is just a day of rest. God worked, created the earth in six days, the world, everything, universe, and then on the seventh day he rested. So, it's saying if God rested on the seventh day, it's good for us to rest too. So, that's the Old Testament, but, and as we know, that was the old law. Jesus has now fulfilled the law. And the context is the Israelites have been in slavery under Pharaoh in Egypt, and it was very oppressive. I don't have enough room for all my Bible and notes, just bear with me. Um, so Exodus 20, verse 2, God says to the Israelites, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of slavery. So in context, when you connect the dots, God is saying, you were in slavery, you work seven days a week, but you're not in slavery anymore. I want you to have a day off and actually rest. And I love God's heart. His heart isn't for us to flog ourselves and work seven days a week. And they'd only ever known seven days a week work. They were hard workers, the Israelites. So I just think that's huge. Imagine working seven days a week and then someone saying to you, now I want you to have a day of rest and just chill and enjoy yourself. I think it it could be amazing, but it could be really scary too because if you've lived to work, what do you do with that day? And so I think that's an interesting concept to think about. However, for some of us, maybe six days working would kill us. And, um, you know, different. some are on the side of being a work-work and often it's a, probably an overgeneralization, but normally the older generation are really hard workers and then sometimes those of us who are younger can err on the side of being a bit more apathetic. So I think, um, yeah, we're all on the spectrum, but I want to talk a little bit more about rest today still. So God's people have strictly adhered to this. Historically, um, they took Saturday, Saturdays off for thousands of years. That's It was the seventh day of the Jewish calendar and it said in the Bible, take the seventh day off, so that was the day, Saturday. And you know, some people still do... Um, strictly adhere to having the Sabbath on Saturday, Jews, Seventh Day Venice. And I heard this story a minister shared when he went to Israel and all the Jews obviously um, were strictly observing the Sabbath and that meant all the shops were shut, no taxis would operate, you're not even allowed to press buttons or turn lights on. And he said he was in the hotel and there was a lift saying Sabbath lift, non-Sabbath lift. And he and his family were like, what's this, what's this? And there was a huge lineup for the Sabbath lift on the Sabbath. And um, he said to one of the Jews, so what's the go, what's the difference between the Sabbath and the non-Sabbath lift? And they said, on the Sabbath, we're not allowed to press buttons, so it stops at every floor. And he's like, you're kidding. And then um, he's like, well, I'm New Covenant. I believe in Jesus. I'm hopping in the um, non-Sabbath lift. I can press a button. And he said he hopped in the non-Sabbath lift with his family, and then the lift filled up with all these Jews. And he said to them... What are you guys doing? And he, they said, can you press level 1? Can you press level 2? Anyway, I thought that was so funny. And it's really just a picture of how strictly some people do observe the Sabbath and um, how good that we don't have to live under law on the Sabbath. <laughs> um, but then, why do we have our Sabbath on a Sunday? Some are still observing it on a Saturday. Is it Saturday or is it Sunday? What's right? What is the Lord's day? The Jews say Saturday. The Christians say Sunday. But we believe, and not even we believe, history tells it. Everything changed when Jesus came. Um, And not just the Sabbath, but for now I want to focus on the Sabbath. Matthew, Mark, Luke and John tell the story of Jesus' life. And they actually say he rose on the first day of the week. So in the Jewish calendar, the first day of the week was Sunday. It's like our Monday, the day they all went back to work after their day off. John in Revelation calls it the Lord's Day. So God's people took Saturday off for thousands of years, but after Jesus came, they reoriented their entire social structure, and they actually began to meet as the church on Sunday to remember Jesus' resurrection. So that is huge. It's like us meeting today and then say Jesus rose on a Sunday, on a, sorry, on a Monday. It's like us saying, well, we're going to move everything we do on a Sunday to Monday. It would be a huge change. You'd have to adjust a lot. So the church started meeting on Sunday instead of Saturday to honor the resurrection of Jesus. And it says in Acts 20, verse 7, they met in the first day of the week, which is Sunday. All right. Um, But the Sabbath still generally remained on Saturday because that's what the Jews did until the Roman emperor, Constantine, he was the ruler of the Roman Empire at the time. He actually, in 320, 18, took Christianity from being forbidden to being legalized, which is pretty amazing. And he declared Sunday to be the new day off rather than Saturday. So that was for the Roman Empire. And then about 1400 years later, America actually came into play and they had the Jews doing Saturday and they had the Romans and the Christians wanting Sunday off. And there was also an industrial revolution happening at the time and people were whinging and wanted more days off. And so they couldn't decide whether to do Saturday or Sunday and so they said, let's just do both. So that's why we have a two-day weekend now. It's interesting, hey? It's actually a really new concept. We live in a really unique part of history, this two-day weekend. And some people prefer to work six or seven days, but technically, and some people work on weekends, we have a two-day weekend. So that is more days than even God got off. Thanks, America. America. (laughs) Yeah. So that's why we observe Sabbath on a Sunday, um, and we come together and remember Jesus on a Sunday, because that's when he roves. All right. And I just want to recognize, too, even though we technically have a two-day weekend, that so many of you actually give up your Sunday to come and serve others. And I want to honor those who serve on Kids Church and Worship and Helps and everyone who contributes to actually creating a space for others to come and enjoy God's presence, which is part of that rest that we enter into technically on the Sabbath. So let's just give our team a hand for that. I think that is admirable. Okay, so keeping in mind, being bound to the Sabbath is actually Old Testament law. So what do we do with that now? Do we still have a Sabbath? And what does the New Testament say about rest? So Jesus has fulfilled the law. That means we were no longer bound to a Sabbath. He changed everything. Is What it means is Jesus is our rest now because he has fulfilled. The Lord, just as he is our righteousness, as he is our strength, our salvation, he is also our rest. So track with me here. The Sabbath isn't law, but I want to take it out of the realm of law and into the realm of just wisdom and common sense. And it's not repeated in the New Testament. You must not work seven days a week because it's not good for you and you must have a day off like it was in the Old Testament and Jesus gives us lots of commands as I said in the New Testament he says do not sin put off falsehood. submit to one another Honor your mother and father get rid of bitterness be kind pursue righteous living do good do not be misled bad company corrupts good character have nothing to do with the appearance of evil and if you go through the New Testament there's actually a lot of commands as I said there's so much wisdom in there but there's nothing saying rest do not work a certain amount of time you have to do this so it's obviously I think more of the father's heart you don't have to not work seven days a week, but it's probably just not good for you. It's common sense, really. So what does the New Testament say about rest specifically? I'll read it in Matthew 11, 28 to 30. Again, in the Message Bible, because I love that version. It says, Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. And so I love this. It's not law. It's just God's heart. Come to Jesus. Find rest in him. He'll help you learn the unforced rhythms of grace and Who knows we need that in our society today? Everything is so fast-paced and everybody's working so hard, whether it's to earn money, whether it's to perform, whether it's to impress, whatever it is, it's go, go, go. But I love this. Jesus says, you tired? Come to me. I want to give you rest. And he is our rest. But sometimes I think we need to be intentional about creating space to enter into that rest with Jesus because everything is so fast-paced. All right. So, as I said, Eugene Peterson wrote this message, Bible, and he wrote that verse that I read. And Eugene was also a pastor, and he's written some amazing teaching on the Sabbath. And um, after his passing, it actually inspired me to look a bit more into some of his writings. And that's what has inspired me to talk today. I've been doing a lot of research on it since. And I think it's something we need to talk about more. What does it look like to enter into our rest for our souls, for our hearts? What does a New Testament Sabbath look like? And you know, we laugh at the ridiculousness. Some of you who have read the Old Testament, there's prophets of Baal, and they sacrifice to their idols and their false idols, and we're like, oh, how ridiculous was that? I can't believe they used to have to do that, and they thought that it was actually going to work. But maybe we're kind of doing the same today, and we don't even realize, perhaps our idols are work and money, and our sacrifices are family or mental health or relationships. So we're actually sacrificing to idols to appease them, and we don't even realize it. One in four battle mental illness. Suicide rates are at an all-time high. Family breakdown is the norm. Something's not right. Something's not working in the way we're doing life as a society. And we drink more coffee to mask the fact that we're all exhausted and like the living dead walking around. I heard one pastor say, one week it's a single shot and then next week that doesn't cut it so we need a double shot. Then it's a triple shot. What's next? Can you add some cocaine or methamphetamine in with that? What's next? You know, there's only so much stimulants can do to mask the fact that we're burning ourselves out from the inside out and just no judgement they I actually like coffee and um, that's as far as I go with the stimulants <laughs> but <laughs> I'm not endorsing drugs. I started drinking coffee after I had Esther, I think I just needed something to get me through. Uh, I don't know how I lived before it and I'm now completely addicted. Um, but, and I, like coffee's good, but my point is we need to take a deeper look into the way we are living. Stimulants can't mask and can't substitute what a good rest and Sabbath can do. Okay, so the Israelites worked for seven days a week in Egypt because they were slaves. Are we slaves to our work and our lifestyle, or are we free? And I want to share some reasons why I think it's important we have some form of Sabbath. Again, this is wisdom, not law. So firstly... Why is it good to have a Sabbath? I think we stop our work to remember Jesus' work. Okay, question. Are we saved by works? Trick question. No. Well, yes, we're saved by Jesus' works. Oh, gotcha. (laughs) Um, Not our own. And sometimes we actually forget how much we've been saved from and how much work Jesus put in so that we didn't have to work ourselves to the bone. And I think it's really good to remember we're saved by grace. We don't have to work for salvation. And we're the only religion that doesn't believe in working for your salvation. We believe that we're saved by grace. And our Sabbath is a reminder we live differently. Jesus worked for our salvation and we can rest in that. And his burden is easy and his yoke is light. I think often we're our hardest taskmasters. We have the highest expectations of ourselves and we push ourselves and we drive ourselves. God doesn't expect that of us. God is gracious and merciful and kind. And sometimes we need to take a leaf out of his book towards us. Rosie said that at women's group the other night. She was talking about the kindness of God. And she said, sometimes I've just been realizing we need to be kind to ourselves. And I think that's true. We're no longer slaves. Some of us find our identity in doing, doing, doing. I know I do. And even productivity can be an idol sometimes. We just live to get things done. But sometimes we need to Survive and be okay with not always having to get things done. It's good to pause and remind ourselves of what already has been done to still our heart and soul and rest. And as I said, just remember what Jesus has actually done and have that time to even pause and connect with God. I think it just refreshes our soul in a way that nothing else ever could. And I shared that in my testimony recently when I was a bit caught up in like doing, doing, performance, salvation, performance, faith, and then God just set me free from that. Didn't have to be more beautiful, work harder. I could just be me and God loved me for who I was. Secondly, a Sabbath gives us space to prioritise relationship. As I said, sometimes we get so busy working, working, doing, doing that we sacrifice relationship for that at the expense of um, work. God actually created us as relational beings to live in community, to live in family, and we only take one thing to heaven when we go. What is it? People. That's the only thing we're going to take to heaven with us. It's, I think, the most important thing in the world is people. And yes, things are good. I'm not saying things are bad, but in perspective, what's the main thing? It's relationship with others, and let's sow in and invest our lives where it matters. And yeah, we need to work and earn money and pay the bills. So I'm definitely not saying go quit your job and just sleep in every morning. (laughs) Um, But the fine line is when it consumes you and you just find yourself worshipping work and everything is being sacrificed at the expense of that idol. And um, I'm not even saying, well, say you work five days a week, you're like, oh, I better go quit a day of work so I can have that. I think we can do our normal routines, working how we are, but then maybe when we're having a chance to Sabbath, maybe it's a Saturday, maybe it's a Sunday, maybe it's just a few hours of an afternoon, getting better and entering into that rest in the time that we have. I think we can be smart about it and be strategic. And it's different for everyone. It's not like, oh, Bob over there, he works so hard, he needs to have a rest, he's a heathen. It's like, what is God speaking to you? What is your, what's God saying for you that could help you maybe find some rest and um, lighten that burden? And speaking of taking a Sabbath from work to actually enjoy connecting with others, I love church for that purpose. We can come together, be refreshed in God's presence, connect with God, but also connect with each other. And I think that's the beautiful thing about Sunday morning church, but you might want to invite some friends over. You might need, maybe you've been so busy, you just need to clear your schedule. And make some time to have some friends over for dinner or go out to lunch with some friends. Just connect with people. And um, we grow in community too. Hey, that's a bonus. I heard Peter Prothero from the Equippers Church in New Zealand. He was talking uh, on a message I was listening to. And he said, The fruits of the Spirit, kindness and love and joy and peace and patience, They only grow in the context of community. You don't grow in kindness by sitting at home on the couch by yourself. There's no opportunity to show kindness to the remote, I don't know. Um, You've got to get out there and mix with some people as iron sharpens iron. So firstly, we have a Sabbath to remember what Jesus has done. And secondly, to prioritise relationship with God, with others. And the bonus from that is that we actually grow in community at the same time. So double bonus. All right. Thirdly, it reminds us the world doesn't revolve around us. God's in control not us, and I'm guilty of this. Some of us actually think we can't rest or the world will fall apart. Um, You can have a rest. You don't have to control everything. God's actually bigger than we think, bigger than what we can do. Um, And, yes, maybe for you to rest, you might need to delegate some things or maybe you might even need to let some things go. Um, For Josh and I, we got to a point a couple of years ago where we were just doing far too much between church and work and social and school and sporting commitments we just had so much going on and I think it was really killing us. And we had some options. Plan A was we must keep going as we are. If we simplify things, there will be lack. If we stop this program, the world will fall apart or the church will fall apart. Or if we can't make this meeting, the situation will fall apart. Or if we say no to that barbecue, those people will think we're rude and that Jesus doesn't love them. Hello, we're not actually the centre of the universe. God's got this. He cares about people far more than we do. He's bigger than programs. He's bigger than meetings. He's bigger than barbecues. If we need to take a rest so we don't burn out, I think God's like, guys, I've got this. You don't have to keep going. So that was plan A, and that's what we did do, but, um, no, sorry, that's not what we did do, but we went with plan B, which was we need to adjust some things. Um, Some things we delegated, but where there was no one to delegate to, we had to let some things go. We can only do what we can only do. And often we need to assess what is strategic at this time and what is unnecessary that we might need to let go of for the sake of our health, for the sake of our family, for the sake of important relationships. We only have so much mental, emotional and physical energy. I've said this before in a message. Every time we say yes to something, we're essentially saying no to something else because we've only got so much to give. Sometimes we have to say no to some things to say yes to not burning out. It's okay to take a rest. It's okay to switch off. The world will keep going. Take a nap. Even Jesus took a nap. If you don't have kids, that is. I think it's hard to sleep morning or night or afternoon or any time of day with kids. <laughs> um, and do you know what? God is actually glorified in our rest just as much as He is in our service and our work for Him. God rested on the seventh day. And part of our worship to Him is imitating His rhythms. And that was His rhythm work, work, rest. And that's worship to Him, imitating Him. Okay. So it's good to take a Sabbath, so we remind ourselves the world doesn't revolve around us. For: often if we don't voluntarily take a break, we will break. <laughs> Hello. Whether it manifests in stress overload, anxiety, a heart attack, high blood pressure, we can stop voluntarily and joyfully, or we'll often have to stop involuntarily and painfully. Some of us need to be saved from ourselves. As I said earlier, God is far more kind and gracious and merciful to us than we are to ourselves. And I'm going to share a little bit more about my story with that in a moment. I'm going to go through this, why we need a Sabbath, and then I'm going to talk about some Sabbath killers. And then I'll be done. All right, so fifth, fifth reason to have a Sabbath or to find some rest in our busy schedules is that God values time with us. So who loves it? when, I don't know, maybe you've got home from work or you've, I don't know what you've been doing, but you come home and you see your kids and you just love, I love it when they run into my arms and maybe when we can just sit on the couch and hang out together, have a cuddle together. And I feel that God feels the same about us. His heart has and will always be to connect with us. It's why he sent Jesus, so there was no barriers between us and him. And I think, you know, if my kids were always busy doing chores, like cleaning their rooms and picking up their clothes... And sweeping the floors and bringing in the washing and unloading the dishwasher, I'd probably be happy because the house would be clean. But I also wouldn't be happy because they would be sad and their souls would be sad and I wouldn't have any time to hang out with them and it would pretty much be there like my slaves. And that's not a healthy relationship. And I wonder if God feels the same. Hey, I sent Jesus so we could connect, but you're just so busy running around like a headless child, we're not even connecting, like what was the point? Sometimes we can be so busy that we forget to rest and enjoy his presence, the very thing he worked so hard to sacrifice his only son so that we could be one with him, and then we're just not even enjoying the gift. And um, yeah, he just wants us to know him, to walk with him, to rest with him. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Um, Yeah, not because it's law, but because it's good for us. Okay. Six, actually, I might just add this. Oh, and some of you might say, I don't have time to rest on the couch with my heavenly Father as such, but I have too much work to be done. But I just want to say you do have time, or you'll probably wish you did make time later on the track when you're pouring out of an empty cup and burning out. Save yourself from yourself, as I said earlier. Okay, sixth reason to have a Sabbath. To have fun. It's good for the soul. Who thinks Jesus was fun? Ryan shared about this uh, when he spoke and he said all the kids were coming to Jesus and Kids don't come to boring, grumpy people. They go to fun people. And so I think Jesus was great company. I think he would have been a lot of fun. However, the religious people were not fun. And they were like taking themselves way too seriously. And they were like, kids, you need to go away. And they got jealous because Jesus got invited to all the parties. They're like, there must be something wrong with Jesus. He's hanging out with all these sinners. They never, it never occurred to them that there was something wrong with them, that in fact Jesus was just a normal, ordinary, awesome person that people loved and maybe they weren't being invited to the parties because there was something wrong with them. And, you know, religious people will always point out other people's faults and are blind to their own. Jesus, people love to hang out with Jesus. And a huge part of it was his teaching and his miracles. But I also think he would have just been good company. Some of us need to quit taking life so seriously and have some fun and that's one of the reasons we have a sabbath is to rest to play to rejuvenate our souls so what is fun for you do some more of that what is a joy for you and i saw adam post yesterday that he finds joy in just hanging out with his kids and going for walks and finding the remote when you've lost it for a week or so what do you find joy in do some more of that and the same for me bring it back to my kids um i love i love hanging out with them but I love hearing them laugh and play together and it's just the best thing sometimes when they go to bed at night, they, they're they all sleeping in the one room at the moment because we figured out Esther sleeps so we're like whatever works, just mattresses and um, sometimes they go to bed at night and just play and laugh hysterically and they're such funny kids like they just they crack me up but they crack each other up and I love it when they do that laughter when they just can't stop and you know that laughter when you wake up in the morning and you feel like you've done a hundred sit-ups and um, yeah I just think it's it's so good for the soul and and sometimes I'll go in there and actually join in like if I hear them having heaps of fun sometimes I'll just go and lie with them and listen and then they make me laugh too and before long I'm cracking up in hysterics too and um what a gift, hey. What a gift is joy, what a gift our kids and two things from this. Firstly, as much as I love listening to my kids laughing and enjoying life, I think God's the same. I think he must delight in seeing us enjoying life. When we're having fun and when we're filled with joy, he must be like that makes me so happy. That delights me just as it delights us as parents. I reckon he's the same. He wants to see us happy. He wants to see us filled with joy and life. And you know, we've been given a gift of life from Jesus. And how good is it when you give someone a gift, when you spend the time thinking about it, when you spend the money on it and you put in a lot of effort and when you give them a gift and they're stoked with that gift and they love it and they enjoy it. And you know what? God's given us the gift of life and how happy must he be like, that was so worth it for me to send my son Jesus because I can see that you're loving that life. I can see you're enjoying it. I'm so glad I died to break the power of sin and condemnation and darkness because I can see that it's working for you. I can see the purpose that I died for is actually benefiting you and I love it. And so sometimes we're doing God a favor when we actually learn to enjoy life a little, because that's why he died, so that we could have life abundant. And secondly, joy is attractive. When my kids um, crack up, as I said, I just want to be a part of it. And either I'm a weird mom, or maybe, maybe that's a part of it. But on the flip side, joy is fun and attractive. Jesus was attractive. When we have a little bit of fun, got a bit of joy in our hearts. People are drawn to that. And some of us actually need to take a Sabbath because we're getting a bit dry and crusty and no one's attracted to that. We need to remember what it is to have fun and rejuvenate our souls. And you're gonna find people drawn to that. Like, I was gonna say like bees to honey, but no bees make honey. Ants to honey, anyway. Number seven, we need a Sabbath as it helps us manage our energy, not just our time. Uh, Eugene Peterson actually talks about this in his writings on the Sabbath and he spoke about when he became a minister and when he was training in Bible college, someone said to him, you need to work hard seven days a week. Jesus could come back any day. There's no time for rest, like on with it. He was like, so true. There's people's lives at stake here. We need heaven full and hell empty. I can't afford to rest. And it's actually a really common theology. And so he said he fell into that trap of working seven days a week because he just thought time was short and he needed to get as many people into heaven as possible, which I think is an amazing heart. And I think probably that's all of our heart who know Jesus, that we want as many people with us at the end of the day as possible. But Eugene said he got to a point where he was burning out and his family actually intervened and his wife said, this is not good for you. We want a day with you. We want to spend some time with you. We're not enjoying seeing you just become exhausted and burning yourself out from the inside out. And so he reluctantly said, okay, I'll try and have one day off. And um, so he worked six days a week and had a day off. And he said... He found he actually got a lot more done in the six days he worked when he had a day of rest than he did in working himself to the bone seven days a week. And so he said, from then on, I was converted. He was a Sabbath lover and he's committed to having a day of rest ever since. And so that's managing your energy, not just your time. Logically, you might think you get more done in seven days of work, but when you manage your energy and refresh yourself, fill up your cup on that one day. Or, and we don't religiously have to have one day. It might be one Day every fortnight or once a month or just time to fill our cup, um, whatever that looks like. Um, It's just being wise with our energy, not just our time. And number eight, the last reason why we have a Sabbath, and there's probably plenty more, but these are just the ones that I've come together with. It helps us process what has been and recalibrate and refresh our perspective. I think it's really important to have time to pause and process what has been. And I'm going to talk more about this in Sabbath killers and my journey with this as well. All right. So some Sabbath killers. Is everyone tracking with me? Everyone still awake? Awesome. (laughs) Over planning or imposing rules on the Sabbath. I just want to encourage you don't overthink it. Scheduling your Sabbath to the nth degree. You don't have to do that. Just plan to switch off. Do as little as you want or as much as you want. Uh, Otherwise, it can become... If we're over planning our days off and our holidays, sometimes it can just become more work than actually going to work. Just relax and enjoy. And again, Eugene Peterson's idea of the Sabbath, um, this was once his kids were grown up, but he said he and his wife would wake up on a Monday because who knows, as a pastor, Sunday is a work day. And he said he'd wake up with the adrenaline pumping on Sunday and we're the same, we wake up waiting to hear on, waiting to hear from God and just pump for what God's going to do in the hearts of people. And Eugene said the same thing. I, we don't rest on Sunday. We work on Sunday and often Saturday's preparation for Sunday. So he and his wife had Mondays off and they would get up and um, first thing in the morning, they'd have their lunch packed the night before. They'd go for a long bushwalk. He said every Monday, it was almost a sacred ritual, something that they did to find time with each other and with God. And, um, They'd do different bushwalks. And he said, no matter what the weather, we would always go. Because he said, there's always an excuse to not Sabbath, just as there's always an excuse to not be in church. So they committed, we're going to have a Sabbath, just as we've committed to being in church. And they'd walk for three hours normally. They'd go on a long bushwalk. They'd start by reading a Bible verse. And he said, for that three hours, they walked in silence. They didn't talk. They just paused to ponder and process, to remember what Jesus had done, to connect with God, to just allow God to replenish their souls. And they noticed the leaves and the bugs and the butterflies, and they just actually were able to take in the world around them. Because who knows, when you go, 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 sometimes you fail to do that. And he said, my wife would write a journal on those days. And he said, what, we, what she wrote was surprisingly not exciting. There was nothing too exhilarating in there. She'd have notes, like I said, on maybe a pretty bird she'd seen or a flower that she saw that she liked, maybe a Bible verse that God had spoken. He said, but that was the point. The point was what we didn't do, not what we did do. They just allowed their souls to be still. And um, I just love that. And I think that's an amazing model. And I know maybe not practical for everyone, but maybe something to aspire to. And, um, yeah, love the simplicity of this. We try and overschedule our rest and recreation time sometimes and it just ends up being hard work. <laughs> and relating to this, I heard a pastor say, obviously I've been listening to a lot of messages, he said, you all know that person when you want to go on a holiday and they rock up with a 100-page binder of, like, day-to-day, minute-by-minute scheduled activities and fun and, like, this is what we're going to do. And he said he said to this person, it happened to him, he's like, is there a page in there where I kill you and burn that binder? <laughs> um some people just love to control and put rules on all the fun and rest and it just sucks the life out of it so learn to loosen the reins a bit and just enjoy life I'm speaking to myself I love to control and organize things but yeah it's good to relax hey you can't organize and impose rules on a gift it's not law it's it's a gift all right and also just focus as I said earlier on what you're doing it's not well, what's that person doing? He shouldn't be doing that. Maybe I should be doing that. What's good for you? What's joy for you? What's fun for you? What refreshes you? Focus on that. It should be a blessing, not a burden. All right. So second Sabbath killer is the wrong place. Often to change our pace, we need to change our place. And Eugene Peterson um, talks about this. That's why he would go out of the house with his wife. Because there's too many projects to be done at home. And I'm the same often if we're at home and trying to have a day off. Josh should be like, let's rest, let's chill, and I'm like, there's too much to be done. I do find it hard to switch off, as I said, Josh is great at it, but I find it hard to really switch off when there's heaps of projects to be done. I wish I could switch off more, but I can't. So for us, it's, if we go away for the day, that's ideal, because my mind can switch off from the housework and everything that needs to be done, because, you know, the washing is never ending, and there's always going to be jobs to be done, but it just helps for me to remove myself from that, and until I get better at, (laughs) I guess, self-control and not doing the housework when I shouldn't be, but Also, we go on holidays because in a small town, it's hard to switch off Um, as a pastor and on your day off, if you go down to the beach or a cafe, you see like 50 people from the church. So it's not entirely switching off. So we go away if we can on holidays and we do try and have Fridays off now and then and um, not religiously because sometimes we'll have to squeeze a meeting in or sometimes Josh has work to do, but um, we try and just find a little time to rest. So wrong place, you often need to change your pace. Um, change your place to change your pace and some of you might be fine resting at home do that then the third one is phones and you know the people of Israel when they were in Egypt they were ruled by Pharaoh and I think sometimes we can be ruled by our phones they just dictate our life and we can commit to switching off for a few hours and then the text messages come through or the emails come through or you see a social media post that makes you a bit mad or jealous or annoyed and there's your time to switch off gone so I just want to encourage us to be wise about that I like to switch my phone off or put it on airplane mode or something so that we can't um, be bothered and maybe that might be something for you too. Switch your phone off. Number four, uh, and this is a big one, Sabbath killer, is observing the Sabbath day without a Sabbath heart. And you can have some time off, whether it's a day off or a week off or a few hours off, but we're so stressed out and anxious that we can't enter into the rest and I am so like this. Um, and I just want to share with you some things that I've found have helped me with this. Firstly, recognising that if you get to a holiday or a day off, um, and this is what happens for me, I would get to a holiday, and as soon as we get there, I'd feel really sick, like nauseous and headachy, and i normally just be exhausted the whole holiday, and maybe towards the end I'd start to bounce back, but recognising that We were going too hard in life because my norm was stress. So rather than my norm being a happy medium of you know peace and maybe a few short bursts of stress, my norm was stress. And when stress subsides and the adrenaline subsides, your body doesn't know how to cope. And so that was my body going into spas, like where's all the adrenaline? Where's all those stress hormones? I don't know what to do without it. And so recognizing that if you're like me and you try and have a rest and you're so stressed out and you get really sick, then you're probably doing a bit too much. You probably need to make some changes. And um, one time a few years ago, we went on holidays and the first night of holidays, I started having panic attacks. I've never experienced panic attacks. I was like, what's happening to me? I thought I was dying or I had some motor neuron disease. I was having all these weird symptoms and it was really dark and really scary. And um, I was like, what's going on? But it was just a sign that our lives were far too fast paced. And there was a bit of conflict in our lives at that time. And I don't know that there's ever a time that there's not conflict in our lives. Um, But I think God's strengthening our heart and also has given us better strategies to cope with that stress and that conflict so that I'm not as affected and it's definitely a growing process and I do think those dark times and those battles were what built that strength, that emotional, mental strength, heart strength in us. So for me, I was fine um, as long as we were busy. Like I could just keep going with that adrenaline and like as long as I was busy and didn't actually have time to pause, I wouldn't feel sick. So I guess it was kind of tempting to just keep going and then I wouldn't have to actually process life. Um, And who remembers that part of the reason to have a Sabbath is to process life, to recalibrate? And I said that if we don't break, life will break us. And that's what happened. I hadn't been taking enough time to rest. And so I became broken. Um, Life broke me. It caught up with me. And um, yeah, we can voluntarily rest and have a break or life will break us in more painful ways. And I actually read Christopher and Wright the other day, anxiety is often a sign of unresolved pain. So I actually think I had some unresolved pain in my heart that I hadn't had enough time to process. And uh, I was also hormonal and I had thyroid issues that can also cause anxiety, which I found out later. But nonetheless, I was battling. And who knows what I'm talking about is a reason why some people don't Sabbath. It's a Sabbath killer in itself. Because if you think, as soon as I stop, I'm going to have to think about the pain, I'm going to have to think about the emotion, I better not stop because that's going to be really hard. And so people just go and go and go because stopping is more painful than not stopping. And I just want to um, encourage us that that's not healthy and obviously at some point we need to process. And I'm going to give us some more keys for that. So firstly... On a Sabbath heart, it's important to recognise where you're at. And I was at a place where I was way too strung out. And secondly, if you get to that point where you stop and you're experiencing panic attacks or you're feeling sick or there's some other manifestation of stress or mental torment, then it's probably a good time to get help yes continue to rest in jesus that's always the goal but i saw a counselor to help me process life there was just too much that i hadn't processed there was too much to process at once so i went and saw a counselor and she helped me work through some of the things that were just burdening me and she helped give me some strategies to manage stress and um, best idea ever so yeah get help if you need help and someone who's skilled and trained in helping you work through those things And thirdly, once you're doing that or as you're doing that, as you're getting help, endeavour to not go so long between drinks or rest breaks or processing breaks. The reason I was feeling so sick and overwhelmed was because I hadn't paused to stop sooner. And I think um, short accounts with God and with your own heart are really important. Just having those, even if it's once a week, once a day, whatever it is for you, once a month, just having that time to be like, okay, what am I feeling just creating some stillness, some space to process life, because I all know we have significant battles we're facing, I all know we have pressures, and those things need to be processed. And this is exactly when Josh and I recognised that we were too strung out, we had to adjust some things, delegate some things, let go of others, simplify our lives so we weren't living in that constant state of high stress, and some of it did come down to our ability to switch off amidst the chaos, to switch our phones off, to, okay, yes, we know this situation's going on, but to switch off amidst it. And that is also an art, but I think we're growing in that, which is essentially a Sabbath heart. And, oh, Josh has already great at it. That's what I love about him. When I'm like all stressed, he's like so chilled and just it's peace, it's just peace. And I think that's beautiful. So, one of the things we did was cut down our nighttime meetings. We would often be out. Two or three or four or seven nights a week, and with meetings or sports or different things. And we just thought, recognized it was too much. We weren't having enough time as a family, we weren't having enough time with our kids. So now we try and fit our meetings and our sermon prep, if possible, into our daytime so that we're there and we're present for our kids. And there is the like occasional, we have Bible studies or prayer meetings, but it's not like seven nights a week, it's just wisdom. Um, As I said. We try and have a day off maybe every now and then on a Friday, just do something fun and good for our souls. We try and go on holidays, all those things. Um, And we have learned. You know, there's always, it's good um, wisdom for all of us, there's always going to be expectations and opinions of others. But if we live for the expectations and opinions of others, we're also going to die by them. So I just think there is something to be apprehended in terms of fearing God more than we fear man otherwise they're going to be ruled by what man think and so you do your thing be you do what God's called you to do and let people say what they want to say and just switch off from it and yeah sometimes you need to take you know other people's opinions on board but then sometimes you need to learn to switch off and um, again finding time to rest and process at regular intervals is so important or seeing a counsellor to help you process if you're struggling to process because if we don't pause to process life will catch up on us and unresolved or buried pain and stress, tension, emotion will show up as depression or anxiety or a heart attack or a stroke. So let's deal with it before it beats us. And I was speaking with Dean about this the other day. He was saying just the importance for him of having time off to process the season gone by. And um, it's I think it's really important for all of us. All right, so I'm almost there um, the last encouragement under having a Sabbath heart, um, to avoid being in that place is, and this is kind of a practical one, is just to write notes, sometimes I have so many thoughts in my head, I find it really helpful and probably lots of you might do this already, just to write a to-do list, write down everything that's in your head, everything I need to do, maybe things I need to talk about with people or talk about in meetings, sermon notes, I write it all down so it's out of my head. On our days off, I also write notes, so let me explain a bit about this, um, I know lots of pastors who find God speaks to them on their days off, on their holidays. And I'm the same. Often as soon as I pause and just create space, I'll often like put a worship song on or just read my Bible. I just find God will download stuff. He'll speak to me about us personally, about the church, about the future. And my natural inclination is to run and tell Josh everything God's speaking to me. And God really does inspire me on those days, but Josh would prefer not to be inspired on his day off. He would prefer not to think about anything. So it's been wisdom for me to write those things down and talk to Josh at a time when he's ready to think about it. And so I guess this is acknowledging my idea of a Sabbath is different to Josh's and accommodating for that and maybe allowing your spouse to rest in the way they rest so that they don't go insane also. Um, So again, note-taking for the win for my mental health and for Josh's <laughs> and um, I've done a lot of the above I've seen a counselor we've learned to rest I guess I've um, developed some better strategies to cope with stress and I think ultimately God has brought a healing to my heart and I'm in such a better place than I was a couple of years ago and we've applied wisdom and tried to figure out the rhythm of what's good for us and I guess we're always learning but in that period of having my panic attacks we went on that holiday it actually just got worse from there I think I started to have more and more panic attacks to the, and like panic attacks are associations so if I walked into Woolies and randomly had a panic attack for like an unknown reason there was nothing I was thinking about the next time I walk into Woolies my mind triggers oh, this is the same place you had a panic attack last time and the same response would happen and it was getting ridiculous daily if not a few times a day I was having these terrible panic attacks and it was really crippling and I, at that point I also actually lost a lot of my joy And looking back in hindsight, I can see what was happening. It was depression, but I love nature and I love mountains. And like, I'll go just out to the end of Caribbean road, for example, and I love just looking at the escarpment there. And it inspires such awe in my heart, just the magnificence of God. And I just feel it's so good for the soul. And I remember in that time when I was struggling, I would go and look at the most beautiful landscapes and beautiful, like majestic creation at its best. And I would feel nothing. And it broke me because I was like, what's going on? Something's not right with my heart. And I love that God speaks to me and stirs my spirit with creation. But I just wasn't myself. And um, it shattered me. And I just wanted to feel something. And I got teary this week because I went for a drive. I often do out Caribbean Road again. And it, I've, I've been feeling myself for probably 18 months now. Like this is probably a six-month period. But I just looked at the escarpment and my spirit stirred. And there was that awe and that magnificence. And you know, sometimes we take for granted just that feeling of joy and that appreciation that some people don't feel that, some people are numb and some people in a really dark place and I was and it just, I got teary because I was like, how good are you God? You've healed my heart and that was a dark time and at times I didn't know if I'd get out of it but I did because of your goodness and your grace and because of an awesome family, a church family around us who always took care of us and who probably didn't know the fullness of what I was going through because you don't want to be a pastor and get up and like just bleed everywhere There's, we had to be wise in walking through that season for our own good as well um, but i just want to say and obviously we treated i saw a counselor and um we were able to treat some of the underlying causes with thyroid issues and stress and pain but i just want to say don't give up on trying to enter the rest and trying to have some fun if like me you get to that And you become overwhelmed because you're like, life's too busy, and as I said, it's tempting to just go, go, go because you don't feel the pain. I just want to say, don't give up on finding that time to rest and Sabbath. And as you process and maybe as you get help from a counsellor, I just think there's hope for beautiful, restful, fun Sabbaths ahead for you. And I love our days off and I love our times with the family now. So don't give up if you're feeling stressed out. Keep Sabbathing. It's going to be really good for you in the end. And keep short accounts and make some lifestyle adjustments if you need to. Hang in there and push through for rest. All right. Am I going too long? Cool. This is my last point. Um, Under keeping a Sabbath, not not keeping a Sabbath heart, Sabbath killers. We get the rhythm wrong. In Genesis, when creation was created, it says there was evening and there was morning and then the first day. And there was evening and then there was morning and then the second day. And God's rhythm, I said we're going to look at God's rhythm for rest, was rest. And then get into the day we think of our day starting at 7 a.m in the morning or whatever when we wake up God's rhythm actually starts the night before evening getting a good meal having a really good night's sleep resting rejuvenating filling up our cup so that when we wake up in the morning our cup is full our Western way of thinking is get into the day work 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 and then you come home exhausted and you crash And that obviously is the issue that I'm talking about. We work, work, work ourselves to the bone and then we force ourselves to stop when it's too much. But God's rhythm is Josh's rhythm. Josh is more holy than I am. It's rest and then work. And that's why Eugene Peterson, he and his wife would get up in the morning. First thing, they wouldn't do their jobs. They'd go and enjoy nature, rest, and then they'd go home and do their jobs. And I think it's it's not logical. I'm like, how do you rest when you've got all this stuff to do? But it's actually God's rhythm. Evening and then morning, evening you rest, In the morning, you get up and you go out and you do whatever you need to do. You can't pour from an empty bucket. And these are the rhythms of grace. Not work, 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 rest if you have to. It's rest and work, rest and work and um, have some Sabbathing in there. And I just want to say the little disclaimer. Some of us, not all of us are burned out and stressed. Some of us maybe could learn to work a little harder. Some of us might be on the edge of apathy and you know, just as much as we can worship work and money we can also worship comfort and so maybe if you work a day a week and you're like oh it's too much for me don't take this as Sarah said I shouldn't work I just need to have naps all day long like God's will be speaking differently to everyone here this morning maybe some of you need to work a little harder maybe for some of us we need to learn to rest a little better so the point of this morning we might I might get the band up we might stand is just to do a heart check God where am I at? Am I strung out? When was the last time I had a Sabbath to just connect with you, to remember what you've done, to connect with others, to refresh my soul, to pause and process life? And um, maybe it was far too long ago, and God's just going to speak to you this morning about what it could look like for you to go and enter into some rest. And I also want to pray for those battling with a Sabbath heart because, as I said, we can have all the right things in place. We can organise rest and recreation and holidays, but if we're stressed out, we're not going to be able to enjoy that. And for those of you here who might not call yourself a Christian, the first step to actually entering into that rest is a relationship with Jesus because He is our rest. And so I just want to encourage you this morning, there's that invitation from Jesus, come to me. All you who are weary and heavy laden, I will give you rest. And it's as simple as that. Coming to Him, walking in relationship with Him. He wants to do life with you. He wants you to find rest in Him. He doesn't want you to break. He wants to help you. So for anyone who wants to accept that invitation this morning, whether for the first time or maybe afresh, if you've actually forgotten what it is to find rest in Jesus, I am going to pray, but I just can't help but read. Eugene Peterson's verse on rest one more time from Matthew in the Message Bible. Are you tired, worn out, burned out on religion? Come to me, get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. Walk with me and work with me. Watch how I do it. Learn the unforced rhythms of grace. I won't lay anything heavy or ill-fitting on you. Keep company with me, and you'll learn to live freely and lightly. God, I just thank you so much for your grace, for your rest, for your peace. And I can just feel it tangibly here. It's like, God, you're just saying come and you've been saying come and you've been saying come to us, perhaps some of us our whole life, that we've never really learned what it is to accept that invitation or maybe we're scared what'll happen when we actually rest. We're scared maybe that life will catch up on us. But this morning, God, we just want to lay that all aside, our fears, our busyness. Perhaps we've been worshipping work a little We just want to repent of that. We want to lay those things down and we just want to come to you and find rest in you. Help us to learn the unforced rhythms of grace. Help us to imitate you, God. You rest on the seventh day. Even God needed rest. We need rest. And I thank you that you're speaking to individuals about what that could look like for them. I thank you. It's exciting to think about the prospect of having some fun, having some rest, creating space to hear from you. And I thank you that we're going to have a bunch of people here that for those who might be on the verge of burning out, who are all of a sudden going to know what it is to be refreshed and replenished. And they're going to find they're going to be charging on in such a greater way, God, because they allowed you to rest, uh, refresh their souls, rejuvenate them. If we become a bit crusty, God, help us to learn the art of joy and laughter again. And for those of us struggling with a Sabbath heart, I thank you that you healed my heart. I thank you that there's light at the end of the tunnel. I thank you for anyone here struggling with depression or anxiety who has lost their joy. I thank you, God, you can lead them through that. I thank you you can put the right people around them to help them. And I thank you there is hope of a brighter day, God, for these ones. And I thank you for each of these beautiful people. And if you're accepting that invitation for the first time, you can just pray a prayer in your heart. God, I want a relationship with you. I want to find rest in you. And you can just pray that as we worship. And I think God's even ministering to our hearts now. Thanks, team You'll stay true even when the last comes.